I mean this with the utmost respect and to anybody listening who feels like you cannot push back and you cannot challenge. My question to you is, how is that going for you so far if you are still in the job search and struggling and you feel like you have to play it safe? You know, are you playing to not lose? And has that worked yet? And I feel like for most people, it, it isn't. Profits have hit a record high and you've all worked overtime to make it happen. So it's time to be rewarded with a corporate pizza party. The podcast taking you inside the highs and lows of corporate America. Hosted by Dan Space, Farah Shargi, and Mike Petito. We couldn't afford bonuses this year, but sit back and enjoy the next best thing. Welcome back for another corporate pizza party. In yet another episode that was unplanned on our end, which I have the feeling is going to be a resounding theme for the three of us who are not the best at scheduling or planning things out, but a topic we do want to talk about. Before I talk about it, of course, we have to kick this interview off the same way as always. Dan, tell us about yourself. Hi, everyone. I am Dan from HR. I'm an HR business partner, and I have not eaten a donut today. <laughs> no donuts Farrah. for Dan. I wonder what's going to happen if I ask Farah. Farah. Tell me about yourself. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Farah Shargi. I am a technical recruiting leader in San- based in San Francisco. I did not eat a donut this morning because we are recording quite early and I just didn't have time. So maybe I'll get one tomorrow. We'll see. I don't even think we can do this episode. Yeah. How are we even supposed to do this episode if you don't have a donut? I have good news for everybody. I had a donut on Monday. Today's a Wednesday. I had a donut on Monday, if that counts. My daughter has been sick. She had to go to the doctor. And the rule whenever a kid has to go to a doctor, of course, is we will get a freaking donut if you just don't act awful at the doctor's office. And even when they do, they get a donut anyway, because that's how it works. So I will carry the donut load today. That's good parenting. That that is good parenting. (laughs) I approve. Listen or don't, you get a donut. That is ideal parenting. (laughs) Anybody out there listening, no matter what you do, you get the donut is ultimately how you raise a good child, I think. Yes. Should we just do a parenting podcast today? Because I'm sure we all have thoughts. Absolutely. I have thoughts, Um, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Nobody has more thoughts on how to be a parent than non-parents. We're not getting down this road. I'm going to stop right now. Farah, (laughs) the reason we're doing this episode is you received an email this week from somebody. Tell us about what was in the email. So... I not only do I get that I get this email this week, I get a lot of emails like this one. So I'm going to speak in general terms and just talk about like the theme of this, this email and, and the emails that I get. So more and more candidates who are on the job search because let's say they lost their job because of layoffs, for example, meaning they don't have a job. So they are doing everything that they can to get a job. You know, they're coming to me and saying, hey, Uh, you know, this company is asking me to go through this like 10 step process, including creating a presentation and doing homework and all of these things. And I actually had one person come to me and say, you know, I had interviewed for a job in the past, and they stole my work. And I saw the work publicly, like I've, I've seen people do this when it came, comes to websites, when it comes to designing of clothing or products, like these companies are just outright stealing their designs. And it's just, it's nauseating and frustrating, like, especially with the long interview processes as well. Like, candidates don't have a ton of time. They don't have 10 hours to allocate just to interview for one job. Imagine they're unemployed and they have to interview for, let's say, three or four jobs. That's a full-time job right there on top of applying and on top of networking, et cetera. It's just, 
it's just so heartbreaking to get these messages from people. I'm really disappointed. Yeah. Interviewing, this is the number one complaint I hear. And I think all of us here when we talk about interviewing now, it's just the length. And there are studies that show the average time to hire is going up and interview steps are going up. And I find myself often defending it to people. I'll give my two cents as it relates to homework for interviews. I had made several controversial videos that they, they all did relatively well, but it was very, very controversial. I was very fascinated to see this because I had made a video several years ago saying, if you do any kind of homework for a company, you should send an invoice. If it's anything beyond an hour, like, hey, you you know, go home, do this presentation, go home, do this report, here's this problem you have to solve. That's your time. Your time is money. You should send an invoice with, with the, the response. And, you know, I got, of course, a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. They should do that. But I was so surprised by how many people in companies were like, no, that's terrible. I, you know, you're, you're just going to burn, burn a bridge. I'm like, you're just publicly acknowledging that you are wasting your candidate's time or that you don't find your candidate's time valuable. So I really like the idea. I know certain companies actually pay their candidates for like the homework assignment. I, whenever I hear that, here's here's my question, because I, I hear this from people all the time. We'll send an invoice, send an invoice. Does this fall into the category of how it should be and not how it is? Is it damaging to candidates who are laid off and unemployed and looking for a job to tell them to do something that you know most companies are going to say, go fuck yourself as a response to? I guess, you know, I... I don't like the idea of surprising someone with it. You know, it's, it's certainly the idea of when you get the rejection letters is not when the first time you should sort of send the invoice, but rather just in speaking with the hiring manager, bringing it up through, through the interview cycle, especially if you're going to ask me to do work, is there compensation going to be involved for my time? Because this is this is going to take some time to do. And I think that that is a very fair thing to bring up as a question. I understand completely that you don't want to necessarily, you know, piss off a potential employer. You know, we all have rent to pay. But I just, I really hate the idea of companies taking advantage of candidates. Yeah, it's tough. And I think it, it borders that line. And I think the question is sort of what's too much and what isn't, what kind of assignments are fair, what kind of interview process is fair. But I do worry whenever I hear people say, just invoice them, send an invoice. I think we all know that almost none of these companies are going to pay an invoice. And beyond that, if I brought it up on interview process, isn't the real fear as soon as I say that, oh, you would like me to do this assignment, what will be my hourly rate? Can I send you an invoice for it? That you're just going to say, never mind, and end the process. Like, isn't that more likely to happen? It's possible. But and so here's my my my, my take on it, that we, we, what you're saying is like, we know most companies are just going to say no. I've actually paid invoices for people that have done that. And I've done that myself. And one time I got paid and several other times I didn't. The thing that it did, though, though, is that it opened the door for a conversation. It opened the door to say, I am worth these hours of work. You know, there has to be some sort of agreement. There has to be some sort of alignment on with this interview that I'm interested in this company. I have this amount of time that it will give you for free outside of work. But then this other time has got to be compensated. Have you ever been asked to be compensated, Farah? Or have you ever asked? I've never asked and I've never requested compensation. Here's so here's my perspective on things as a technical recruiter. I am a consultant to the business. And so whenever a group that I'm hiring for proposes a take-home assignment, I let them know, okay, that's fine. Number one, is this a unique homework assignment? Like, is this a presentation? If it's not, if it's just solve these technical problems and we want to see if you can get the answer, okay, that's fine. How long will it take the candidate to do this assignment? An hour. Great. Okay. 
when you get the results, what are we going to do with those results? So for example, when I was hiring at the New York Times, um, this is not proprietary information. So this is, you know, I can talk about this freely. I was hiring for their develop, DevOps groups called Delivery Engineering. And for several roles, we actually did do this. And I said, okay, if the candidate goes and does this homework assignment and comes back and you review the answer and it's correct, that means you want to move them forward to an onsite. Yes? Great. Okay. Then what we did was we took the candidate's work and incorporated that into the onsite interview. So one of the interviews, they would actually discuss the problem, discuss how they solved it, ask more in-depth questions. So we integrated it as part of the onsite. So we made sure that the candidate wasn't spending an excessive amount of time outside of an interview, like one-on-one interview. So that's something that we did. As a candidate, personally, I interviewed one time during the pandemic with a very popular food delivery company that a lot of people have the app on their phone. And they asked me to do a, a presentation that I didn't agree with. And I did it anyway. And I told them I don't agree with this. And I said, your attitude is wrong. And they were like, what are you talking about? It was very adversarial because one of the problems to solve is, oh, okay, if the candidate has an offer from another company, how do you beat the other offer? How do you beat like, it was just very like, the language was very confrontational. And I said, I don't believe in your philosophy. Here's why. Because if we are doing the right things and we're presenting ourselves as the best option based on, you know, the culture, the values, the team, et cetera, I don't have to beat anybody. I just present myself to the candidate as this is what we're doing. And this is, this is who we are. If you like it, great. If not, well, you have another option. These are, you know, it's up to me as the recruiter to list out all of these options for the candidate. And it's up to the candidate to ask questions and make a decision for themselves. Let me ask you both a question. Have either of you had candidates request compensation during an interview? No. Or have asked about it? No. No. Either of you? Never once been asked. Have you both worked for companies that had a lot of take-home assignments? Oh, yes. When I was at Uber, there was a particular department that does not exist. I'm not going to say the name where the hiring manager would just surprise me out of the blue and say, oh, I gave this candidate an extra assignment. And I'm like, this was not part of the interview loop. What are you doing to me? So by the time we were done, there were 10 steps in the interview process. I was furious. And keep in mind, I inherited this group from another recruiter who couldn't handle this hiring team, the hiring manager. They made the candidates go and find data from like US government websites and doing all these things and putting it in presentations and then like present. It was just a nightmare. Those candidates should have asked for compensation. They probably spent at least four to five hours outside of the interview process just to craft these presentations. I think this brings up a good point too, right? That there are appropriate assignments and sometimes are part of an interview. And Farah and I have also done a ton of technical recruiting. And in technical recruiting, there is going to have to be some type of proven. Uh, that can be live coding, a take-home assignment, whatever it is. It's very hard to get a high-level coding job without proving you can do some coding or some type of technical work. But there are also bullshit assignments. Being asked to do a presentation like that, and I think social media people are given a ton of bullshit assignments of create a social media plan for our company of what you'll do over 60 days and the type of TikTok videos you will make, and you'll instantly see those companies doing it when they don't hire you. Recruiters are given a ton of bullshit assignment. I was on the job market. I've talked about this a lot. I was laid off last November. And something that happened a ton during my job search is I was given a ton of bullshit free recruiter work to do. And 
Some of it was simple. Some of it was as easy as like, send us three full stack engineers that you find on LinkedIn so that we know you understand how to find a full stack engineer. And that takes two minutes of work. I had an assignment that I was given on a job that I was far in. This job was a nightmare interview process, start to end. This job involved things like a live math test, where I was told, we give this test to everybody, even if math isn't a part of your job, because we just like to see if you'll put in the work to do it. Don't be too concerned with the score. And I was like, I have an MBA. I can do your 10-minute algebra test. That is not the point. I did the algebra test, and he was like, oh, that was so good. But I was told there's going to be an assignment throughout this process. And they had no idea what it was. It was very clear. No idea what the assignment was going to be. This is often the thing when you're in talent acquisition and you are going for head of talents or first recruiter roles at companies. They don't have anyone putting this process together who knows what they're doing. So they knew there would be a challenge. And for the first part of the challenge, they emailed me and basically said, walk us through a role that you filled. Scrub any sensitive information, but show us all the candidates on this thing. And I was like, are you aware I was laid off? I don't have access to any of this information. Do you want me to make up a candidate? So they got back to me and said, good point. Here's what we'd like you to do. Here is a, I'm not going to say the exact job, very complicated technical job for a very complicated technical company. Tomorrow, we would like you to bring us 20 profiles of people who could do this role, a real role open for the company currently on their website. The profile should come from at least 10 different companies. Here is the minimal criteria. High pedigree, which let's get into the red flags about writing high pedigree. Are they dogs? Yeah, they, (laughs) I don't know. The, the, The way to even talk with somebody is high pedigree. Proven corporate experience, this experience required, job stability, startup mindset. Submit the profiles ahead of the call. We will look through and decide who we like and then discuss them on the interview. Wait, That's hold called on. fill this role there for were, free for us. There were so many like juxtaposing things in that <laughs> list. Like I want somebody who has long tenure but works in startups and has a startup mentality. Excuse me, excuse me, 90% of startups fail. That person's going to be jumpy. Like they're never going to, like good luck finding that person who, like what does high pedigree mean? Like university, like should they have gone to like the top school in Switzerland or did they come from Google? Like, what are you talking about? Like, that is, that is ridiculous. And this is what companies are doing now. And this is the, these are the assignments people are scared of. And I withdrew. I withdrew at this point, even though it was the final step, because that was going to take me a lot of time. But that company was 100% going to hire one of the 20 people I brought them had I done that, right? So I will say this, when companies put like, like you said, Mike, like a lot of these companies who've never really hired technical recruiters don't know what they're doing. And they put them through math tests and this kind of ridiculousness. Whomever will put up with this nonsense is who they're looking for. Because you know, when you start that job, that is a, that's a litmus test, right? Will they put up with our nonsense to get in the, in the door? Because when they get here, it's going to be additional nonsense. So I will share a story with you guys about one of my hiring experiences where I was a candidate and I had been laid off. And there was a really cool startup that was very well funded in San Francisco. I met the CEO. She was great. Then they gave me the assignment. You guys, it was a timed assignment. They said, we're going to send you the email at 10 a.m. and you have an hour to complete it. And I was like, what the? (laughs) I have a timed exam. What is this? So I go, I'm just curious to see what the heck this even is. I get this assignment. And I was like, no, I'm not doing this. I immediately messaged the recruiter and said, 
I'm withdrawing. Then I forwarded it to the CEO herself and said, told her all of the holes in their logic and th- why this is a ridiculous assignment. I think they gave me like 20 resumes and wanted me to like stack rank them based on keywords and like without an, it was just not enough information for me to go on to make an effective determination. Like I've never talked, spoken to the hiring manager. I don't know these things. Like you're asking me to shoot you know, blanks in the dart at a target that's black. Like, what is this? This is ridiculous. I've been asked to stack stack rank resumes. And it is such a frustrating assignment for the same reason, because it's not the job. The job is not for me to know very little and just go tell you the 10 best people for this job. And I was desperate and picked, you know, I ranked all the resumes and filled out all the questions and and wrote a long write-up of why I did it. And then I was eliminated. And that's the annoying part. And I think that brings up a really good question, though, right? You and I, in the case where I withdrew, and I think a lot of job seekers and a lot of people give advice come from a bit of a place of privilege, right? Where we can say, I'm going to drop out. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to be picky. And a lot of job search advice, I think, is privileged, is, is very much based on the idea of like, keep going till you find the perfect thing. And not everybody can do that. What should people do when these things come up when it's just like, but I need a job. I don't get to say invoice me. I don't get to say no. Like, how do you still protect yourself while looking for a job? I think there's always going to be a ideal state world and reality state world. Like if your savings account is up down to two months, you have one place that's the interview and they give you an assignment, you're not going to say a word. You're just going to do the assignment. Mm -hmm. But if you are, you know, happily working, making money, you know, kind of just at least open to the opportunities, then I think you can challenge and push and say, why, what is the purpose of this? What is this going to be used for? Am I going to be compensated for my time? You know, as an HR business partner, I consistently am all about challenging status quo. And so like when, you know, when, when you were, the, the purpose of these homework assignments is the idea of let us see how you work. Let us, let's give you so, sort of like a, a, a test of something that you would do day to day so that we can see your mindset, we can see your value system, we can see how you think, we can see how you process, how you work. But like the idea of like stack ranking something like that, that's, if it's not going to be part of the job, it's just so dumb. And especially like something that's timed, like that's so stupid, like it, it just has to be, you know, related to what the role is going to be. And in many cases, it's not as though you have like, you have one, one hour to find 20 candidates, stack rank them by last name and second by, by donut flavor preferences. Yeah, I I went through another interview process where this this is common in the recruiting world now. I think almost every company gives you some sort of like recruiting exercise. And I think we're seeing this in every type of job, social media, I mentioned especially, but just like do the recruiting for us with a real job we have. And I went through one where I met with the hiring manager. We did like a pretend debrief call. And then I was told to bring a couple candidates. I was like, well, this is an extra step, but at least it's more realistic. I've talked to the hiring manager. We've gathered. They see how I work. And I brought some candidates and their current recruiters sat in on the interview as well to sort of judge how the candidates were. And they right in front of me, the manager said to the recruiter, like, oh, this one's really good. See if we can reach out to this person. It's and I was told if they hired that person, I would get a gift card. I never got a gift card. I don't know if they hired them either. I want to send you a gift card, Mike. I feel like you're owed a gift card. I am owed a <laughs> gift card for all this time. And everyone is. But yeah, I mean, Farrah, what are your thoughts right, on the idea of like the privilege of this that some people don't get to just not do these things? So I would say this, you know, to support what Dan was saying. Yes, if you're in a desperate situation, you don't have that many interviews, you may just not have many options. I totally get that. 
What I would do, though, is when you are speaking to the recruiter, it is important that you as a candidate are aware of what the process looks like from the time you speak to a recruiter until they make offers to candidates. So I, as a recruiter, always explain every single step to my candidate. Not a lot of recruiters do that. So make sure you have clarity on that. Once you get that clarity and you know and you find out, oh, okay, like there's a homework assignment, da, da, okay, then ask more questions. The recruiter will know. If they don't know, they're a bad recruiter. I'm sorry, but they just are. If you ask them about the homework assignment, so in the case of, you know, when I was at the New York Times, it's, okay, so I have to do a homework assignment. What's the homework assignment? Like, what's it going to, you don't have to give me the, the problem, but what's it about? And, you know, in this case, it, I would tell the candidate, okay, so this is a homework assignment. Once you've completed it, we will review it. And if your answer is, you know, what, what the hiring manager is looking for, we'll then put you through the interview process and then use your answers as, and incorporate that into one of, the, one of the interviews that you're going to do. So it makes sense. So always question the recruiter as to what the homework assignments are, how it's going to be used. And then also, you know, like if you're a designer, if you are a front end developer and they want you to create a portfolio of designs, ask them what will happen to my work once I've completed this interview process, regardless if I'm hired or not. You need to challenge them. It's okay as a candidate. You're not pushing back. You are simply, you're a consultant. Like I think oftentimes candidates are too afraid of asking questions. They're like, no, it's, I'm going to be challenging people. This is conflict. I'm like, no, this is business. You are your own business. You are not a pick me. You're not a pick me boy, a pick me girl, a pick me they, Uh uh-uh. We do not pick me in interview processes, regardless of if you are employed or not. You just have to be thoughtful about the questions you're asking. That's what I would do. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. And I have this conversation with people all the time. I I went viral on TikTok a few months ago with a video that basically told candidates, ask real questions, ask behavioral-based questions back to the hiring manager, ask them about successes they've had, ask them about people who haven't worked out, ask them about how they've handled conflict with their team members. And hiring managers were in the comments, yes, yes, please, please do this. But a lot of candidates were responding of, this is how you don't get a job. This won't work. Asking this will cost me the opportunity. And my response to a lot of them was, I get that. And I mean this with the utmost respect. And to anybody listening who feels like you cannot push back and you cannot challenge, my question to you is, how is that going for you so far if you are still in the job search and struggling and you feel like you have to play it safe? You know, are you playing to not lose? And has that worked yet? And I feel like for most people, it, it isn't. So these ideas of pushing back do make you stand out, but they will also chase away people you probably don't want to work for anyway. Okay, I have thoughts on this. Here's where I think that okay. mindset comes from. When you went to school, I mean, I went to public school. I didn't go to private school. Whenever you as a student challenged your teacher, you would get scolded, right? If you ask too many questions, the teacher's like, you're asking too many questions. Like, I, I got that. But when I took honors courses, when I took my advanced placement courses, I felt that the, the teacher wanted to treat this as more of a discussion as opposed to like you're going to get reprimanded. And I think oftentimes people are too afraid because they've seen it, you know, from the time that they're little to the time that they get older, that this is what's happening. Like if you watch a Harvard lecture, they use the Socratic method. The professor is asking random people in the audience in their in their class, okay, so-and-so, you know, Mr. You know, Ali, so-and-so, how do you feel about blah, blah, blah? What about da-da-da-da, right? They're just picking on people 
and they're having those discussions. So they're not afraid to ask questions of authority figures. And so that's what I'm seeing too, especially in comments. Like I get the same comments, Mike, in TikTok. Well, if I do that, I'm going to get fired. If I do that, I'm not going to get the job. Where is that really coming from? If you are going to work for a company that will have a negative reaction to asking questions, that's not necessarily a company you want to work for, whereas companies that you do want to work for would actually welcome that. And I, I, I find myself agreeing with that. Like I remember both with Spotify and with Electronic Arts, I liked that I could ask challenging questions and it felt welcome to do so. I think it always comes back to the same idea that some people can't afford to take that risk or can't afford to try it. And I get that. And I think a lot of it is fear-based and a lot of it is how we grew up and we're sort of trained that way. And a lot of it is very old school managers that you're scared to sort of upset who don't like to be pushed. But I do think there is that middle ground. And while I don't think you're going to get a company to change their interview process, and I do think if you refuse to do an assignment, you will be eliminated. So that is a, a choice to make. It's very rare that they'll say, okay, we won't make you do it because we like the way you pushed back. But it is a choice to make, especially if you think your work is being stolen. And I do think there are certain areas where work is far more likely to be stolen. Whereas in technical world, and I tell this to developers all the time, if you've been given a take-home coding assignment, I promise you that is some generic question that is sort of related to the work that they do, but they're not asking you to actually solve their, their software issue or build it versus the social media example, right? Where they are actually asking you to come up with a month's worth of Instagram content. Be careful in those situations. So in technical interviews, to your point, Mike, is even though they're asking you very standard questions that you're probably not going to see in your day-to-day work, they want to know, do you know these concepts? So these are more like conceptual problems that you need to solve. And what they're trying to do is determine how you solve those problems. Are you going to use a brute force hacking way of just like throwing something up on the screen? Or are you going to try to find like the most optimal solution, but not really because it's an interview? Or are you going to actually find the optimal interview solution because you're in an interview? So it's all like, it's all a process. There's an important takeaway to understand because people get frustrated by this process, that there's no way to do this that will make everybody happy. And I say this to people all the time. If you, if I give you a take-home assignment, that's going to make half the people mad. If I give you a live coding assignment, so you're not doing work on your own time, that's going to make people mad. If we just do a very deep technical conversation, that's going to make some people mad. There isn't a perfect answer here, but there is a level of understanding you do have to prove yourself. I know a lot of people just want to be hired. Just hire me. I've done it. I'm good. I can prove I can do it. It doesn't work that way, especially when there's a lot of candidates. There is a need to prove yourself, but I think there is a line of understanding what is too much proving yourself or the wrong way to do it. I will add that in my experience, working with a lot of hiring managers who have various levels of hiring experience themselves, I find that the the interview processes that are the longest come from the hiring managers that have the least amount of experience in hiring. That So that is a, a data point as a candidate that you need to absorb and go, hmm, if I have to do a presentation and homework and a test and da-da-da-da-da, let me ask the, the recruiter, hey, how long has this hiring manager been a hiring manager? Do you know? Like, they may not know the answer, but you're you're indicating to them like, hmm, something, something is a little fishy. And I'm just kind of curious, like how much experience they have with hiring, because this may be their first hire, right? So they may not, even though they have a long process, they still may not be able to make a hiring decision because they don't trust themselves enough. 
Yeah, I, I think that is a big part is managers scared to make a decision and thinking if I just continue to add steps, if I continue to get more input and more people's opinions, that'll just help because then there's less onus on me to just do this correctly and make the right decision. I think a lot of it does boil down to that. Diversifying risk by adding more interviews. That's a lot on interviews and we can go forever. And I do think we're going to have to. I think we got very focused, especially on assignments and, and what's fair. And I think designing an equitable process is an important conversation. Before we wrap, always important to know, Dan, any hesitancies? Not at this time. No hesitancies in Dan. Fair. Any hesitancies on this topic? I have no hesitancies on this topic. And I think this was a very tangible episode that people can extract useful information for when they are candidates that, you know, if they get these requests for homework and assignments that it's okay, we're giving you the, the, the permission slip. Okay. We gave you the permission slip. It is okay to ask the recruiter, why, why are you requesting homework? What is the purpose? And also if you are in a creative field, especially creative, I've seen a lot of theft in creative and social and marketing, ask them what will happen to my work once I leave. And if I were in your shoes, if you don't feel comfortable asking that in, you know, over the phone or in your interview, follow up with the recruiter in an email and ask that and get an email back because you want that in writing. And that is something that you can document. And if a company steals that information from you, you get an attorney ASAP and you get some money for that. I think we'll dive more into this stuff. We'll talk about interviews a lot, but I think the takeaway of not getting too caught up in these assignments and making sure you're not being taken advantage of matters no matter where you are in the job search. So with that all said, we do appreciate you always attending our pizza parties and we will talk to you all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye, Bye. love.